The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your servant who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, come here immediately and take your place at table. Would he not rather say to him, prepare something for me to eat Put on your apron and wait on me while I eat and drink. You may eat and drink when I am finished. Is he grateful to that servant because he did what was commanded? So should it be with you. When you have done all you have been commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what we were obliged to do. The Gospel of the Lord. So a few weeks, maybe a month or six weeks ago, I had prepared a homily that was largely about vocations. And then it was for this mass. Uh, and then I got very sick overnight and was not in good shape when I arrived at the, the AMBO. And so uh, I gave just a super truncated version of the homily. Well, uh, when I was preparing this week, looking over the readings, uh, some of the same themes that I had wanted to preach about then came up in my heart, uh, and I want to preach about vocations. But the gospel, you, you just heard it, you have it in front of you, it doesn't immediately suggest vocations. And so I was wondering, you know, maybe am I trying to cram a square peg into a round hole here? Uh, but then I asked Father Steve last night, I said, Father, what are you preaching on? He said, I think I'm going to preach on priesthood. And I thought, oh, this is, we have, we have, uh, you know, a, a gospel that doesn't immediately suggest preaching about vocations, and yet both of us independently came to that idea. So I think this is uh, of the Holy Spirit. Um, I will tell you, this is not going to be a very sugar-coated homily. I want to say some things that are challenging, and I want to say them somewhat plainly. But first, let's, let's begin with the gospel itself, uh, because uh, I want to just briefly share with you how these thoughts arose in my heart in prayer from the gospel. Right, so Jesus speaks in this very powerful image about fidelity. And he says, if your servant comes in from the field, and we don't really have servants, but we can understand the, the point he's making. But that if your servant comes in from the field after his day of work, you're not going to say to your servant, oh, please sit down. Let me, uh, let me wait on you. You're going to say, uh, why don't you gird yourself with your apron and serve me and wait on me while I eat and drink. And then when I've eaten and drank, you can have uh, your food. And he says, is the master thankful when the servant does what the servant is supposed to do? And he says, the same is true with us, right? When we have done all that we have been commanded, we are to say we are unprofitable servants. We have done only what we were obliged to do. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that God is a difficult taskmaster that can simply never be satisfied? I don't think that's the case. But what it does mean to us is something like this. All right, so justice, which is one of the cardinal virtues, and it's the virtue that regulates our relationship with others, including God. Justice is where we give somebody else what they are owed, what they are due. And there are many kinds of justice, right? There's, uh, there's economic justice. If we enter into some sort of economic arrangement, uh, I'm going to offer you a service, you're going to pay me. Then when I do the service, you owe me payment. But then when, you pay, when I perform the service and you've paid me, 
you know, we're square, right? That, that debt has been satisfied. Uh, there might be criminal justice, right? You might break a law that offends the, the common good and the society has a right to punish you. But there does come a point where you've served your time and the, the criminal debt that you owe has now been satisfied. Justice has been, has been established. But there are certain relationships that we have where a debt arises that can never be discharged. And we, we, we really want to think about these relationships as, as relationships. We want to think about this relationally, right? So, so for instance, uh, if you are faithful to your spouse, undyingly faithful, you can't after like 12 years say, hey, I've been really faithful for 12 years, so I think we're good. Uh, no, that, as, long as, as long as you're both alive, you actually owe your spouse this debt of fidelity, uh, right? Um, we, won't, we wouldn't say to our children, right? We have, you know, our children have obligations to us, but we also have obligations to our children. We don't, we don't say that after, you know, after 13, 14 years, I've really taken care of you, so, uh, you know, I think I've done my part and you're on your own, right? We say, no, I'm, I'm going to continue to be their parent. And in some ways, you continue to be their parent forever and ever and ever, right? Now, the debt we owe to God is one that simply cannot be satisfied, can't be discharged, it can't be fulfilled. There never comes a point in our lives where we can say to God, I have given you all that I owe you, now leave me alone. That possibility does not exist. So the virtue that, we, that regulates our relationship to God, it's a special virtue, it's a sub-virtue sub under justice, it's called religion. And religion literally means to bind ourselves again or to bind ourselves back. And the proper way for us to relate to God is to bind ourselves to him. And the more we grow in our relationship with God, the more we bind ourselves to him. And there really never comes a point where we stop owing him perfect obedience, perfect love, perfect fidelity. There never comes a point where the Lord can ask something of us and we can say, no, Lord, that's too much. But in truth, this is really the struggle of the Christian life because God has given us this beautiful gift of freedom. And freedom is necessary for us to be, we can't be persons without freedom. We can't be in relationship without freedom. If we're not free, there is no relationship between us and God. We're just like the other creatures and we simply operate based on how we're programmed or something. But where original sin kind of takes in and maybe our human weakness takes in is we sometimes take that gift of, free, of freedom and we start to mark off boundaries. And we start to say to the Lord, I will love you, I will serve you, I will obey you this far and no further. Right? Or I'll give you most of my life, but you can't touch my finances. Right? Or you can't touch my addictions. Or you can't, you know, whatever. We, we start to draw these boundaries and say, Lord, this is too much. This is my life. And I'm not willing to do what it is that you're asking of me. Okay, so here's the, here's the context. Uh, from which I want to speak about vocations. Now here's the unsweetened truth. St. Thomas is not really producing its fruit. This parish. What I mean by that is we are, I, I tell you what, I bless, I'm, I thank God every day that I work at the best high school uh, that I know of and that I'm at the best parish I've ever seen. And I hope that I never have to leave. Maybe I'll stay here till I'm dead, you know, pray for me, right? Uh, it's gonna be a sad day when I get moved because I have to let go of both of those things. But this is a beautiful parish and it it's a beautiful community. 
wonderful families here. People, people of this parish really love the Lord, I feel like, and are, are, are striving for holiness. Uh, the Lord has blessed us with uh, not just a little bit, but years, uh, you know, going over a decade of really solid pastors who are faithful to the church's teaching, who hand it on faithfully. Right, we, get, we, get, uh, we definitely get filled and taught here at St. Thomas. Right? And we have beautiful liturgy. Uh, this is a place where we can really come and do right worship. Worship that gives to God what's owed to him, but then also forms us. This is a really blessed parish. And to my knowledge, I might be missing somebody, but in recent history, this parish has produced two homegrown vocations. Right? And that's uh, Sister Catherine Rose of the Dominicans and Father Ryan Lee, who was ordained, I think, two years ago. Those are, those, those are authentic, homegrown vocations that this community has produced, but that's about it. Now, I'm from St. Thomas, so when I was ordained a priest, it said, from St. Thomas the Apostle Parish, but I'm a transplant. I followed Bishop Wall here, right? Uh, some years ago, Father John Lankett adopted this as his home parish, but again, he adopted it as an adult while he was discerning priesthood. So I don't say this to be, and I very, very much consider this my home, and I consider this a part, myself a part of this community. So when I, I'm not pointing my finger at you, I'm saying us. Uh, we have not produced our fruit. Now this is important because we fall into the habit of sometimes of speaking about the church as if it's something other than ourselves. All right, so we'll say that the church is in crisis right now. The church needs to get its act together. But brothers and sisters, it, there, there is, a, there is a, a divine dimension of the church. There's the invisible, you know, div divine nature of the church. There's the hierarchical church. But at the same time, we are the church. You are not outside the church. When the church is in trouble, we're in trouble. And if the church needs uh, renewal, we need to renew it. And we need to begin by renewing ourselves. And when the church needs vocations, guess what? Guess where those vocations come from? They come from our midst. They come from our families. An analogy I've, I've kind of started using recently is, you know, I love to, I love to study history. And you look back to the, to the great wars at the beginning of this century, um, or the beginning of last century. When Americans decided to go to war, or when the Brits decided to go to war, or when the French decided, whatever, uh, they knew that it was going to come at a cost. And they had no qualms or misgivings about where the soldiers that were going to fight the war came from. When we were attacked at Pearl Harbor and Americans said, all right, it's time for us to fight back, they did not expect that somehow uh, soldiers to defend their country were just going to come out of nowhere. They knew it was their own sons who would be going to do the fighting. Right? Whenever you have the experience, here, here's what I'd really like. Whenever you have the experience of being frustrated because it's hard to get to confession, or being frustrated because priests don't seem like they're available enough to you, or, you know, I remember the old days when we used to have Father over all the time, and it seems like we can hardly get a hold of Father now, or when you want, when you need somebody to come to the hospital for a sick call, and it's hard to actually get somebody who's free, or even just when, because there's other countries that have many, many vocations, so many vocations they can send them out. By the way, do you know in our diocese, 52% of our priests are foreign-born. 52%. And that's because as a diocese, we are not producing enough vocations 
to fulfill our own ministries. And so we have to go to places where they're producing many vocations and bring them in. So when you have these frustrations, right, I, it's hard for me to get to confession. I can't, I, can't, uh, I can't find a spiritual director. I don't understand what the priest is saying when he's preaching. I want the question underlying uh, those frustrations to be, what have I done to help solve the vocation crisis the church is having? Right, Catholic education is outrageously expensive. And we say, it used to be so cheap, right? It used to be like all, all of the poor Irish from the neighborhood could send their kids to Catholic school because it was either free or so completely cheap. You know why? It's because we used to have an overflow. We used to have so many sisters, especially in every Catholic city. We have so many religious sisters that formed communities. And all we really had to do was give them a place to live and food to eat, and they would teach our kids for free. Part of the reason why Catholic education is so expensive is we don't have any sisters. So the first thing that I want to impress upon you is the sense that we have to produce vocations. If we want there to be priests to serve us, if, they want, if we want there to be religious to pray for us or to teach our kids or to minister to our old people, whatever it is, uh, those vocations have to come from our midst. Those vocations have to come from the people sitting in the pews right here. Those vocations have to come from your children. But here's where we run up against that gift of freedom where uh, we're not so sure we want to just give God total access to our lives. This is where we want to kind of draw boundaries and say, Lord, I'll serve you. I'll come to Mass. You know, there's a lot of things I'll do, but you start talking about vocations, you're talking about my life. Or you start talking about vocations, you're talking about my kid, right? So there's three things that I want to, uh, I want to ask you to consider in your conscience. And I'm going to speak to three specific groups of people. Now hear me clearly, brothers and sisters. I am not speaking about any sin. So if you leave here and said, Father said, if we don't do this, then we're sinners, you've misheard me. I am not speaking about any sin. I'm asking you to consider in your conscience how open you are to the Lord's, uh, to what the Lord is asking from you. Because this line that Jesus says, the saints could say that, right? It's St. Isaac Jogues. St. Isaac Jogues came from uh, France. He felt called to be a missionary. He preached to the Algonquin Indians, and they bit his thumbs off. And he got sent back home. He went, he felt called still to preach, he, uh, to preach and to, ha to have mass. So he got special dispensation to say mass without his thumbs, came back to America, went and found the very same people that bit his thumbs off, and he tried to preach the gospel to them until they killed him and ate his heart. And St. Isaac Joes could say, I am an unprofitable servant. I have done only what I was obliged to do. Right, Mother Teresa, who lived a life that I don't think very many of us would like to live, of radical poverty, of serving the poorest of the poor, uh, she could say at the end of her life that these very same words, she had the same gospel we have, I'm an unprofitable servant. I've done only what I've been obliged to do. So I think what I'm, what I'm trying to propose to your consciences is asking, uh, do I draw boundaries and say, Lord, I won't give this to you? Uh, this is asking too much. Or do, we, or do we really say, Lord, I am your servant, I will do whatever is asked of me, and I'm only doing what I'm obliged to do. So first, I want to speak to young couples, right? Uh, I want to ask you in your consciences, young, uh, young married couples, dating couples I'm not as concerned about, uh, young married couples, I want you to ask in your conscience, today and tomorrow and five years from now and really for years and years and years, 
I want you to ask what the Lord wants you to do with your marriage and your gift of fertility. Because sometimes we decide on a lifestyle we want. We decide on a level of comfort that we want or a neighborhood that we want to live in. And then because of this lifestyle I've chosen, Lord, I don't think I can give you any more. I don't think I can bring any more life into the world because it would mean making some sacrifices that I don't want. Once again, please hear me clearly. There's not some number of children that anybody's obliged to have, and if they fall short, they're sinning. Don't hear me saying that. What I am saying, young couples, you who are still like in the childbearing years of your life, please don't ch shut the door on God's will. Don't only ask, what do I want or what am I willing to give, but really develop an openness that says to the Lord, what is it that you want us to do with this gift of our marriage and with this gift of our fertility? Because when we think about vocation shortages, what's the first place, what's the first thing that should come to mind? Well, we have less priests and religious than we used to. We also have less people than we used to, at least in the Catholic Church, right? So, uh, now the next group of people I want to specifically talk to are those who are not in a vocation right now, those who are still essentially discerning. And that could be young adults. It could be maybe a late vocation, not as young adults. Uh, but I, I am also very much speaking to like, teenagers and college students here. Please examine prayerfully in your conscience how genuinely open you are to God's will and just the possibility that he's calling you to the priesthood or to the religious life, which by the way is a very good life, however scary it might be to, to pursue that vocation. And I want, I ask you, you know, in the silence of your conscience between you and the Lord, there's no tricking God, right? We can trick others, we can't trick God. So sometimes we say, yes, I'm open to doing God's will, but our heart is actually very close to the possibility that God might be calling us to be a priest or to be a religious. And so on, on the outward, we, kn we know what to say. We say, yes, Lord, I, I, I do want to do God's will, but maybe there's not actually any interior openness to this. And I see this a lot, by the way, brothers and sisters. You know, I do work daily with, with teenagers. Um, and I see sometimes young men and women who are actually unwilling to even consider the question. And I'll tell you, I see the other extreme too. I see what happens when somebody is really open and not called, right? Because I have seen young people who they really are so open to the vocation that they almost torture themselves over it because they feel like to be a good Catholic, they need to be open to becoming a nun or something like that. And they just can't bring about the desire. And I find that to tell them, hey, relax. Uh, if, you know, if there's no desire in you, the Lord's not going to lead you there. But that, there, there is a real beautiful openness there. There is somebody who's doing everything they can to try to give the Lord a chance to call. But I also deal with young people who, as soon as the question comes up, they become irritated and they almost, they almost do this. Like, they don't want to hear you talk. Like, da, da, da. You know, I had a student a couple of years ago uh, who... You know, uh, my class sometimes likes to ask me, I don't know why, they think maybe I'm a prognosticator or something. They, they like to ask, who do you think has a vocation here? Uh, and I'm always nervous of that question because who knows. But, uh, so the class asked this question one day and one of my students, who I think others have suggested to them that they might be called a priesthood, literally said, Father, if you say what I think you're gonna say, I'm gonna get up and walk out. I didn't say it, but I did have to say, it doesn't really seem like there's a lot of openness there. You know, I've known young women that, uh, that they are not, they, they will be upset if you even suggest that they think about having a vocation, right? I'm not saying, brothers and sisters, that everybody 
has to go be a priest or none, right? The Lord calls whom he wills, right? I can't just decide to give myself a vocation. Parents, you can't just decide to give your kids vocations, but we need to be open. I don't believe it's the case that the Lord has stopped calling, so I must believe that we have stopped listening. So young men and women who are still at a point you're discerning, please search your conscience and try to be genuinely open to whatever the Lord calls you to. And if you, if you find that you're not open, then ask him for the grace to open your heart. Maybe that's where you need to begin. Ask him for the grace to be open to whatever it is he calls you to. And the final group of people that I specifically want to address is parents of children who could still have a vocation. This may be, for you, it may be the hardest thing of all because you love your child, you brought your child into the world, you raised your child, you have dreams for your child. You want them to be happy maybe even more than they want, you want happiness. And it might be scary to you to think about them having a celibate vocation. You might be afraid that they're going to be lonely, that they're going to be unhappy. You might be afraid because we've, we've, we've heard about terrible things that have happened with the church. You might be afraid that they're going to somehow get caught up in that, right? Or that they're going to be hurt or influenced by bad people. You might just be afraid because if you send your daughter away to a convent, you're not going to get to see her very often. This is, brothers and sisters, this is where the rubber meets the road of discipleship. When I talk about drawing boundaries and telling God, this is mine and you can't have it, or you can't enter into this part of my life, this is one of those real rubber meets the road moments. Your children do belong to you, but they belong more to God. And uh, I need you, well, not me, the church needs you as parents to be open to the possibility the Lord wants to take your children from you and lead them into a life that maybe is not part of what you had planned and is maybe going to actually require sacrifices on your part. And I think even if you're not currently, even if you have very little kids, it's, this is something that's worth praying for now so that you can prepare yourself to be open, to be generous, to being a true, unreserved servant of the Lord when the day comes that he asks you to give something that you don't want to give so that you have the right mind to say, I am your humble servant and everything that I can give you is only what I'm obliged to give.